Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates the disciples' life-saving mission, the Great Co-Mission. Have you ever seen those National Guard's rescuers that go out in those storms and those choppers? Man, these guys might have to be focused and clear so that they're not hindered from their mission. And as they're going out, they're seeing these 40, 50, 60 foot waves. And they're looking for that lost person. These were the disciples. They should not be distracted. Focus on what you are called to do. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus was only on earth for 33 years, but His mission is far from over. Today, Pastor Xavier reveals the marching orders for the followers of Christ, orders that are destined to change the world. Let's join him in the book of Acts for today's look at the simple truths of the Word of God. The message is entitled, The Apostles' Last Meeting with Jesus. The earthly ministry of Jesus has come to an end as he has ministered to his disciples for 40 days by commandments and speaking to them things pertaining to the kingdom. The apostles would receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon them, something Israel never experienced. This is all a contrast in verse 8. Okay? Very much so. But, that's the word. Sharp contrast. Between the kingdom age that they asked Jesus about and who they were. No Old Testament passage tells us that all the nation had the Holy Spirit in them. You'll never find that in the Old Testament. What you will find in the Old Testament, that certain people were anointed and filled with the Spirit. Priests, prophets, kings, and people for special service like the tabernacle craft and that. But the nation did not have the Holy Spirit in them in the Old Testament, per se. That's unique to the New Testament. The apostles, in contrast, notice, would all be baptized with the Holy Spirit and receive what? Power for service. Jesus told his disciples before his resurrection that the Holy Spirit would be with them, para in the Greek. And that then it would be in them, en, en in the Greek. John 14, 17. And we're going to do a whole study next time on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm just going to mention some things. We're not going to get sidetracked. With and in. Two prepositions. The entire nation did not have the Spirit in them of Israel. You'll never find that in the Old Testament. Now, in fact, Jesus came to the disciples after the resurrection. As you know, the door was shut. And he walked in and they probably freaked out. And Jesus said to them in John 20, 21 and 22, listen very carefully. He said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, listen, listen. It's a command. Receive the Holy Spirit. Here's a test class. Ready? There's only one answer. Did they receive the Holy Spirit? The 11 there? Yes. In them. But the disciples were still to wait upon the upon, the api experience. The genitive marks it personal. The Greek scholars tell us. They received the Holy Spirit. But they were to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there are many people that deny the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're the very words of Jesus. The third preposition is a P, upon. Every time it's associated in the book of Acts, we see power and effect of service. It's synonymous with the promise of the Father, and it's synonymous with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptized with the Holy Spirit. Those are the very words of Jesus. And if Jesus used them, that's what I use. Now, look at the word power. 
Dunamis. It means might, explosive energy for ability to fulfill their commission. It's like the car. You can go buy it as brand new. And you say, man, look at this paint job. Oh, stick your head up. Smell that leather. Mm. But if you have no gas, that car is worthless. Worthless. If we don't have the empowerment for service, then we're doing service in the flesh. Do you know how bad that is? That's horrible. It's limited. John, um, writing his gospel, looking with hindsight, he writes in 95 or so. Uh, he says in chapter 7 of John 37, 39, On the last day, the great day of the feast, the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when they usually brought water the first seven days to declare God's faithfulness in the wilderness, and then the eighth they didn't bring it, declaring they didn't need it anymore. On that day, Jesus stood to his feet. And he stood and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke, he gives us the commentary. This he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Just some going to receive this? No, all are going to receive this. All have the potential, right? Notice the apostles would... Be witnesses to Jesus then. Going out to reach all mankind. Which Israel never was called to do. In the way that they were called to do. The word witness. Martus. Means one who bears testimony of something as credible and true. As used in our court system. But the focus is on testimony to Jesus. Mark it well. Implying that they would be like him. Living out their lives through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then sharing Christ with others. That's. The order. I live it and then I share it. That's what is implied here. The church is the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 12.3 The Gentile was always included in God's plan. Now look at the word martyr again. It also means one who died for what they believe. Every one of these disciples, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. Horrible. They did not deny their faith. What they saw, what they heard, what they knew was so believed that they gave their lives for it. You understand? Now, there are other martyrs who give their life for a lie. So it's not like you can't. But the fact is there's such great evidence and manuscript evidence and everything else in history that their life only affirms what they believe. And it has a greater strength for us. Now notice still in verse 8. The apostles commission was outlined for them by Jesus himself. They were going to reach Jerusalem first. With the gospel affirmed by their transformed lives. By the power of the spirit. Peter was uh, the spokesman of the Pentecost. We'll see in chapter 2. In Jerusalem. And 3,000 were saved. Wow. <laughs> Then they were going to reach all Judea and Samaria with the gospel affirmed by their transformed lives by the power of the Spirit. And Saul, as you know, persecuted the church and caused all to scatter throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And they went preaching the word of God and Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ. They believed and the church sent down Peter and John to confirm that it was a true work of God. They laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Acts 8, 1, 4, 5 and 14 through 17. So the same thing that happened in Jerusalem to the Jew happened to the Gentiles in Samaria. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And then Peter went down to the house of Cornelius, as you know, and as he was preaching Christ, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. The Apia experience. Acts 10, 44 through 46. 
The third region, they were to go and reach the ends of the earth with the gospel, affirmed by their transformed lives by the power of the Spirit, not to rule on earth. Too many Christians still have kingdom theology in mind. And that was big during the 80s and 90s. Let's get Christian presidents and let's get Christian politicians and, and we're going to conquer the world and the world's going to get better. It'll never happen. You do not legislate Christianity. Kingdom theology is out of context there. Paul taught in the church of Antioch for one year with Barnabas and then went out in four missionary journeys, chapter 13 to 28. So, Jerusalem, chapter 1 through 7. All Judea and Samaria, chapters 8 through 12. The ends of the earth, 13 through 28. There's your table of contents as we've seen before. Their marching orders are given to them. They're not left to themselves. Have you ever seen um, those National Guards rescuers that go out in those storms and those choppers? Man, these guys might have to be focused and clear. So that they're not hindered from their mission. From the minute they leave, they know how bad that storm is out there. And as they're going out, they're seeing these 40, 50, 60 foot waves. And the wind blowing a hundred and some miles an hour. And they're focused. And they're looking for that lost person. And they jump in the water. Brave, courageous men. These were the disciples. Storms were going to be tremendous. The loss were going to be many. They should not be distracted about the kingdom age. It didn't involve them. Focus on what you are called to do. Major on the major, not the minor. So we have to understand what the Bible says about the nation of Israel as we confuse it. The nation of Israel is the wife of God who has been put away by divorce. The prophets are very clear. Hosea is a living example of that. The nation of Israel was, was given up by Jesus in Matthew 23. 37 to 39, Luke's gospel also, as he wept over her. You shall not see me henceforth, you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In 70 AD, Vespasian, Titus came in, destroyed the nation. The nation of Israel is blind in part until the fullness of the Gentile comes in at the rapture, Romans eleven twenty-five. Very clear. The nation of Israel is back in the land in fulfillment, 1948. But... There is still time. We don't know where we're at. At least we know the nation's back in. But there's still the tribulation and great tribulation which God will use to prepare Israel for their Messiah. Matthew 24 is clear. Revelation 6 through 19 is very, very clear. Second Thessalonians 2 speaks about the Antichrist that will deceive them. The remnant will be saved. Not all that say are Israel are Israel. Paul makes that very clear. And he gives us a whole scenario of that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. So we need to know God's word, lest we be deceived, lest we have bad theology. That's why people are doing what they're doing in Israel. Anybody who's dividing the land is an enemy of God, because the land belongs to Israel. So equally, we have to understand then what the Bible says about the church, and that they are distinct. The church is the bride of Christ, is looking for a wedding, Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 the parallel husband to the bride. The church is comprised of Jew and Gentile. In Christ, no difference is seen. Ephesians 2, 11 down to 15 or so. The middle wall partition has been broken down. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. Uh, Colossians three eleven says there's neither Jew, male, Jew, Gentile, male, female, bond, Scythian. None. All in Christ. And so the church is looking for the blessed hope. Titus 2, 13. The rapture. 
That's what we're looking for. And there's such a certain hope that everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. First John 3, 3 says. The greatest evidence that I believe what I read is how I live. Not what I say, but how I live. The church has not replaced Israel as the majority of seminaries and churches teach today. The church is to be occupied until Jesus returns for his bride. And he will return for her. You and I are to be the light and salt of the earth. Matthew 5, 13 and 14. Light dispels darkness. Salt causes people to thirst. Be an example of the believer wherever we go, wherever we are. First Timothy 4, 12. In faith, love, purity, so on and so forth. You and I are ambassadors of Christ with the ministry of reconciliation to get people right. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20. We were lost at one time. We know what it is to be forgiven and saved. We have the message. We take it to them. We're ambassadors for Christ. Being filled continuously with the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians 5.18 says. Keep on keeping on. If we don't walk in the Spirit, we'll walk in the flesh. This can only be done by the work of the Spirit. Are you thoroughly convinced of that? Not being occupied with setting dates and attempting to figure out the day and hour. It's an unbiblical waste of time. We've done our study in Ezekiel. We look at all that. We see that, hey, the nation, we see things happening. But no man knows the day or the hour. So while we're aware of the signs of the times, we stay on the main thing, right? The apostles' last question to Jesus was answered to keep them focused and empowered to reach the lost. Notice thirdly, verse 9 through 11, the apostles' last sight of Jesus. Verse 9, the apostles saw Jesus ascend up into heaven. Now when he had spoken these things, well, they watched. He was taken up and a cloud received them out of their sight. Jesus having terminated all that he had said to them and needed to say, they watched him and he was taken up. Looking straight at him. They, whoa, he's gone. Notice Jesus was received in the cloud, taking him out of their sight. The word receive means to appear under him in order to raise or carry him. The cloud went under him and raised him. That's the Greek word. Clouds are often the representation of God's uh, glory, the Shekinah glory. Remember we saw Ezekiel chapter 1, chapter 2, the throne of God. Uh, Mount Sinai, the tabernacle, the temple of Solomon, the Mount of Transfiguration. We have the same thing, the Shekinah glory of God. The ascension is so important. One commentator states that it is mentioned in the Gospels and Acts no less than 20 times using 13 different words to describe the ascension. The ascension is crucial. If he didn't ascend, where is he? Is he hiding? <laughs> now the Jehovah Witness will tell you that he came and he's hiding. You're going to believe them or you're going to believe the Bible. <laughs> the Bible says when he comes, everybody's going to see him again. Luke tells us the ascension was progressive. The manner is given. The word out. Apple. It means separated in distance. Now notice in verse 10 and 11. The apostles saw two men standing by them. Who told them Jesus would return from heaven again. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven. As he went up. Behold. Two men stood by them in white apparel. Being human. Their attendance to see Jesus. As long as they could 
This indicates their intense love for him. But also here, it's indicated by the phrase, looking steadfast. It refers to a straining, earnest looking. You, you know, you really, you, you lost a little diamond out of your ring that took you 50 years to get. And, and it's in this shag carpet and you are just, you know, <laughs> intently. Notice the two men. Who are they? They're angels. Indicated by the white apparel. We see this through scripture. Angels had announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds in Luke 2, 14 through 15. Angels had ministered to Jesus at his temptation in the wilderness in Mark 1, 13. Angels had told the woman of the tomb that he was risen in Luke 24, 33. Angels now are here present at the ascension in verse 10. It should be no surprise. Two angels fulfilling the legal requirement of the law for establishing a matter. Deuteronomy 19, 15 and 17, 6 through 7. Two witnesses. But then notice the apostles were rebuked by the angels. Who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? They knew Jesus had given them instructions once he had ascended. So the angels rebuked them. First to wait for the promise of the Father in order to receive power. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then also to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And here they are, looking up. And so the apostles were assured next by the angels that Jesus would return. But they were totally oblivious and all of a sudden they were kind of shocked. And that rebuke brought them back to reality. And they remind the disciples and apostles here of what Jesus had told them. Listen to what they said, verse 11 there. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The Jesus who left in a miraculous ascension will be the very same Jesus returning in like manner descending to the earth. The very same. Note the emphatic words. This same Jesus in the same manner. Jesus will return in his glorified body as he was taken in his glorified body. He, st- he sits in heaven at the right hand of God, the Father, with the wounds, everything else, his glorified body. The God-man. To make intercession. He will return in the clouds. All eyes will see him. Daniel 7, 13, Zechariah 14, 4, uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, uh, on and on and on. Have you ever um, taken someone to the airport? Um, who you were not going to see for a long time. The minute they get in line, especially today where you can't go up the way you used to now, you, you keep your eye on them and, you, and you're watching them all the way and you keep your eye on them intently and no matter what's going on, you, oh, excuse me, you're bumping that. And then and you keep looking as long as you can until you can't see them no more. This was the disciples. Everything changed in their lives. The ascension of Jesus cannot be denied. It verifies the resurrection of Jesus and is recorded throughout Scripture. Some think that Luke contradicts the ascension because of what he gives at the end of his gospel of Luke 24 and then here the beginning. But it's supplementary material. It's more detail. There's no contradiction. Both of the gospels... Uh, his gospel and Acts attested there in the Mount of Olives, uh, Luke twenty four fifty, and here also verse twelve. 
In Luke's gospel, they talk with him and he ascends and they worship him. Supplementary material. Peter preached in the day of Pentecost and he said that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the Father. He said the same thing in the temple. Acts 2.25, 5.31 and many portions. Stephen, in chapter 7.55, as they are stoning him, he looked and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father to receive the first martyr of the church. Do you think the book of Acts wants us to know that Jesus is in heaven? <laughs> and so the church is to be occupied with two things as we wait for the coming of Jesus. First, the church is to fulfill its ministry. Its ministry is to the saints. The purpose of the church is not to evangelize the world. The purpose of the church is to fulfill the ministry to the saints. What is it? Ephesians 4, 8 to 16. To perfect the saints. To teach them the word of God. That's the mission of the church. That you be committed to come, to grow, and to become a mature Christian. Then, the church has a mission. It is the great commission to reach the lost. The purpose, the mission, to perfect the saints. The mission, to reach the lost. Because once you know the word of God, you can tell them what the word of God says. First Peter 3.15 Giving an answer to every man for the reason of the hope lies in us with what? Meekness and fear. If you don't know the word of God, you're going to tell people wrong things, right? You need to know the word of God. We're to proclaim Jesus that he came the first time to the non-believer. Dying for their sins and that they can have forgiveness in his name. We're to proclaim that he's coming a second time for judgment. And all will have to give an account for their sins. Jesus will return. You can be sure of it. Listen to Zechariah 14.4. And on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the mountains of Olives shall split in two from the east to the west, making the very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move to the north and half of it towards the south. Where he left, he'll come back there. Matthew 24.30 says... Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heavens, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. John tells us, Revelation 1-7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Even so, Amen. You want to hear how John finishes the Bible? Book of Revelation? Listen carefully. Revelation 22, 20 and 21. He who testifies of these things says, Surely I am coming quickly, suddenly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Any attempt to teach that the second coming was fulfilled in the giving of the Spirit or any other thing is foolishness. Jesus is coming. The apostles' last sight of Jesus ascending to heaven was to be looking for the second coming while reaching the lost. This is the apostles' last meeting with Jesus. Now, do you think it's important? Man, it's that link, man. It's that a hitcher like a trailer to the truck. The apostles' last instruction by, by Jesus were in preparation to reach the lost. The apostles' last question to Jesus was answered to keep them focused and empowered to reach the lost. And the apostles' last sight of Jesus ascending to heaven was to be looking for his coming while reaching the lost. What can we say?
Let's reach the lost. Pastor Xavier Reese and our true purpose for living. Now this study, The Apostles' Last Meeting with Jesus, is available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD for just $4. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So, again, the title to ask for is The Apostles' Last Meeting with Jesus. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. What's the secret to living a life filled with power? And that's coming up next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Tell a friend. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 